following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. NFL edition week 10 with my Wise Guy Roundtable. To my right, the batter, Steve Fezzik. To my left, the bookmaker, Matty Holt. I'm R.J. Bell. And guys, what a show we've got for you. And I say that every week. Because it is a dream, but this one's special. We got pros versus Joes, like we usually do. We got two derivative bets, meaning not only the typical sides and one total, but things like first half, first quarter, bet like a pro with these guys. And now it's new, and it's going to be every week. The dream teaser of the week. One from Fez, one from Maddie, one team each in the two-team teaser. We've got three best bets. But one of them, for the first time ever, is a crossfire. Imagine that, a best bet from one of the boys and a crossfire from one of the other boys. But first, we always start Fezzik versus the world. Why do we say that? Because Fezzik puts out his power rankings for the world to see. In my opinion, the sharpest NFL rankings in the world from Vegas. And then we have Maddie disagree with him and two disagreements by Colin Cowherd this week. And we're going to hear from Colin on one of those. First though, Maddie, disagreement from you. The Texans and the Rams are playing and you actually think Houston is underrated in Fezzik's rankings. Fez, let's start with you. Where do you have Houston? Houston's number 27 in the NFL. All right. And you actually think, Maddie, that they're underrated? Explain. So I think last week was what we call in the business, the dream crusher week for Houston, where you lose your starting quarterback. He goes out. Uh, Tom Savage, who you already benched this year, has to come in. The whole team probably goes through a little bit of a, because, uh, you know, they are, they're starting to play better football, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And things, again, didn't go well last week. And although they had a chance to tie the game or win the game at the end with a touchdown and an extra point, they didn't. They failed to do it. This is why... The disagreements between the pros are very, very interesting. Let's get to the game. We've got this Texans team getting 11 and a half points at the Rams and this Rams team. And and by the way, this is also a public pounder. 94% of the tickets so far, the bets on the Rams, 94%. Now that is the public pounding a game. Let's start with you on this, Maddie. Lean or like? Uh, I lean toward Houston, and this is one of those games where we haven't seen a lot of sharp money show up on Houston, but this is absolutely normal at this time of the week. We record this on Wednesday night. This is normal because normally in a game that's already moving this heavily toward the favorite, the sharp money's going to wait because they want to get the best number. So they're saying, why am I going to take 11? It went to 11 and a half. Then it went to 12. Then it went to 12 and a half. Hey, I want to get 13. That's kind of a key number. Maybe I could even get 14. So in games like this, where the favorites moving up, up and up, you tend to not see the sharp action come in until the last minute when they can get the best number possible. So I'm not surprised we haven't seen sharp action yet on Houston. Look, Houston's going to normalize this week. They still have Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins, a good running back core. 
the, the weapons around Tom Savage are good with a full week of practice. You have to assume he's going to get somewhat better than last week's dream crusher performance where they came out with no effort in the first half. Uh, I, I look, I like the Rams. I'm beginning, I'm getting more and more sold on them every week, but there's no way I want to lay almost two touchdowns with the with the LA Rams. 11 and a half right now. Biggest favor for them since 2002 in the franchise. Forget LA St. Louis franchise Rams. Biggest favorite since 2002. Fez, just for some context here, you've only got five teams in the NFL ranked ahead of the Rams. The Saints, the Cowboys, the Steelers, the Patriots, the Eagles. So you believe in the Rams. I think as much as anyone, it would seem. Explain to me your rationale, because when the season started, and obviously we didn't know, right? You had them four and a half points worse than an average NFL team. Now they're three and a half points better. So an eight point upgrade. Why? Two reasons. One Goff, obviously much, much better than we thought. We were talking about how it wasn't an NFL quarterback. Now it looks like he might go to the pro bowl. So the Rams are a scoring machine. Second reason they had a very good defense. They had good special teams, but they were in St. Louis and they relocated to Los Angeles. And I think that relocation with all the frequent flyer miles, they traveled more than any team. They got tired they got worn out. And then third, of course, Sean McVay, the coaching upgrade has been enormous for this team. Okay. So lean or like on the game. Lean to laying the points minus the 11 and a half. I'm that down on Tom Savage. Okay. After a game and a half. Wow. I, I always thought Savage's problem was his durability, but I think when he's healthy, he's going to be all right. I do think the O line though, being so weak and now they've traded the left tackle without not a non-mobile quarterback is a problem. For the Texans. And I do think that the Colts have the worst defense in the league, arguably. And he only got the offense only got seven points with Tom Savage last week. And I'm on SB Nation every Tuesday, six o'clock Pacific, nine o'clock Eastern nationally on their network. Uh, and with Fred Fowler from Houston, ESPN Houston. And we do an hour recapping the prior week. And actually, there's been such a positive response to that that it's now running Sunday morning. They're replaying it. I think it's 10 a.m. Eastern across the country. Um, and obviously your time zone would be adjusted. So that's a pretty good list. And if you like the, it's a little deeper dive than you would expect from a national show. But I benefit from Fred's insight on the Texans. And he also said he believes these D-backs have been exposed. And Fred, I think I've heard you say this because that rush isn't there. The rush has been there for years with J.J. Watt. D-backs look good now that they're having to cover for an extended period don't look so good. So like you said, big disappointment with the Texans defense. So recapping, we've got a crossfire, but it's only lean. So it's not a real one. Rams Fez, Houston with Maddie Holt. Next game. Now this is our second disagreement. And this is Colin Cowherd thinks you have the Jacksonville Jaguars way overrated. He actually doesn't have them in his top 10 and Fez, you have them number six, number six. Now the next one, we're going to have Colin sound on one and he's going to explain his position. But on this one, he wasn't, you know, he didn't even have this team in his top 10. So he didn't say anything about him. but you got Jack six. So make your case. Yeah. So statistically, believe it or not, the Jacksonville Jaguars are the second best team in the NFL in a yards per play perspective they outgained their opponents by almost a full yard per play and it makes sense that defense is absolutely awesome 
and the offense can run the ball. The weakness, of course, is Blake Bortles. They've been ahead in a lot of games, so he hasn't had to throw the ball very much. And when he does throw, it's a little bit of a surprise, and that's benefited them. But if you look at this Jag team, five and three, their losses, two of their losses are very excusable. They played against the Rams, good team at home, completely dominated the stats, gave up two special teams touchdowns, lost 17 to 27, couldn't come from behind. It's true, but statistically, they won that game. And they played at the Jets, another pretty good team in the Jets. At the Jets, they went ahead 24-20 at the very end of the game. Penalty, holding, called it back, tie game. Jets win a coin flip. This team actually could be 6-2 and two or 7-1. Okay, but if they were and you were pes- and everyone thought they were top five, you'd be the one saying those coin flip games don't count either way. Well, you we'll, can't have it both ways. We'll give them one when, of when the they two win the game, flips. you can't say, oh, they could have lost. But then when they lose, you can't say, oh, they could have won. It's it's either way. Those games are supposed to be a half a win. Well, when they win their games, they've had some convincing wins, like against the Steelers. All right, all right, I got it. I got it. I have, I would say, maybe one. I've never given myself the dream song because it's so sharp. I mean, let's be honest. I should. I've gotten a lot of emails about that. I can't show anyone those emails, but I, I you know, a lot of them. I'm going to let you go first, Maddie, because there's a one in a hundred chance you're going to say the same thing. And then I'm going to come over the top. So lean or like on this game. Uh, I actually lean to the L.A. Chargers here. And I think some of it for me has to do with the amount of special teams and defensive touchdowns that this Jacksonville Jaguars team just continues to pile up, you know, every single week. I want to jump on Jacksonville harder, um, but I just can't. The one thing I will say, Jacksonville Jaguars, 6.3 yards per play on offense last three games. Uh, For all those people that say, oh, their offense isn't doing anything, they're actually yards per play on offense last three games have been amazing on defense. They are averaging a 3.9, but there's something about the Chargers, the way they're playing, you know, 5.6 yards per play. The offense isn't broken, hasn't been all year, and the defense, 4.8 yards per play allowed last three games. Significant upgrade from how they were playing earlier in the year. I think off the bye week, travel going to the East Coast won't be an issue. I think the Chargers plus more than a field goal is a bargain. Okay. And that buy on the East Coast, I think, is interesting. Now, check this out, guys. Lean back. Open your minds. Forget about tracking your bets or, you know, steam or any of that. I want you to open your mind up here. Imagine we're back in the 60s in the deuce. Oh, wait. That's a good show. David Simon's new show from The Wire. All right. Jacks have the best passer rating yield uh, yielding in years. So their defense is stopping the opponents passing as good as any team in like five, seven years. If you go by quarterback rating and they're sacking the quarterback. So this is the Jags defense over 12 times, 12% of drop back. So they drop back about one in eight times is leading to a sack. That's as good as anyone in many, many years. So we can say this against the passing teams. Jags are really good. And especially if they're throwing from behind the opponent and they know they're going to throw Pin the years back. Okay. And what's been the result of that is, and by the way, we're talking about that 12.2. No team in the last five years has been better than 10%. So this is so much better than any team. Now check this out. All five of the Jags wins are by 16 points or more. So this makes sense. When they get the lead, they get to stop the pass because they're really good at that. And they pin their ears back and they get that extra good rush, strip sack, whatever, boom, blowout time. But here's the thing. If they do get the lead, they're one of the best grinders you're ever going to see. And I think in game, and we don't talk about in game much, but you know, that's fascinating. But here's the flip side is when 
they aren't in the lead or if they're behind, which inevitably is going to happen, no, that doesn't matter how, who you are, they are horrible because Bortles can't throw worth a lick. And in the games where they've been behind, you know, they haven't come back. They haven't had any comeback victories. It's the, they either lose big or they win big. Now, they've won more big, so give them credit. They're above average team. So here's my point. I think this is a team that you sit and wait until they're, if they get up 10, you bet them in game the minute they get up 10. If they get down 10, you bet their opponent in game. And I've never seen a disparity where, like, the Patriots up 10 or down 10 are about the same. I think the Jags up 10 might be the best team in the NFL, and the Jags down 10 might be the 28th best team in the NFL. And look at game week two against was the Titans that they lost by about 30, and once they got down 10, they're hopeless. I think you should give yourself some dream music. You think so? Fez, you say that, Maddie. I, I need it to be unanimous. Yeah, all right. All right? I'm in dream music. Did you music. like that or not? I did. It was good. All right. So to me, I think it's hard. It's almost like why bet the game? Good. It was freaking great. All right, Fez. I'm letting you, you know, Maddie didn't come through. Let's be honest. But <laughs> oh, wait. I didn't have to be square. That doesn't work. All right. Here it is. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Maddie, the first time you get that music, you smile like you ate, you know, Cheshire Cat. But somehow I, I was going to get it one. But Fez, you, I mean, you're the master of the end game. Do you agree with that? I agree strongly. And you backed it up with a lot of stats and the history goes ahead and supports that as well. You know, one thing I haven't mentioned, in my opinion, I'm passing this game because although I'm very high in Jacksonville, I am also high on the Los Angeles Chargers that I think when they're on the road, especially they are. I think are going to be a really good bet in almost all their road games because they're undervalued because they have no home games this year. I think they're an above average team. And don't we still consider Jacksonville to be one of the bottom six home field advantages in football? I'm just about to upgrade them. They were, I only gave them a point and a half for home field. Now I think it should be two and a half because I checked in um, with uh, Ross Tucker did the game in Jacksonville. And he said, Steve, I've never heard that stadium as loud as it was this past Sunday. That's good info. Good info, Steve. Now we're with podcast one and Ross Tucker is also Steve does a, sh um, you're a guest on his show, a steady guest every week. And that's something worth checking out. Okay. Um, so to recap, we've got Steve with a pass though. He is higher on the Jags than Colin, for example. And I, but see, I think you're a little high, right? I think that they've been in so many, like they've been in so many of their ideal situations I got a feeling that, that that's skewing things. Well, their ideal situations when they're blowing people out, which they've done a lot. Fair enough. But they've, but, but I, well, let's look at strength of schedule and then we'll move on. Uh, that's going to be an interesting stat here. So we got Jacksonville 19 strength of schedule. So fair enough, fair enough. But again, look at their turnovers, right? So Jacksonville on turnovers is plus seven. So they're the second best or third best team in the league. So you get a couple of turnovers, you get ahead. Unsustainable with Blake Bortles, who is, has been a turnover machine. But now someone else could say, but they, what was it? Plus four against Pittsburgh, right? So maybe you take away that game. It was fairly even. But if the Jags didn't beat Pittsburgh, I don't think we'd be looking at them the same way, even though their record would be pretty decent still, right? So if Jacksonville didn't beat Pittsburgh, they'd be four and four. Would we be looking at them near the same? Yeah, but they did beat Pittsburgh by 100. Yeah, well, because of the turnovers. See, guys, it's science or it's art. It's not science. Good conversation, though. Next game. Now, this is Colin's disagreement. And this time he thinks Fez has a team very, very 
underrated, underrated. Let's hear from Colin. Number nine. I tell you something. I'm going to put Washington in, and I think I may have them low. They beat the Rams and they beat the Seahawks both on the road. And this running back, Chris Thompson, I think he's the best kept secret in the National Football League. Only player in the league leading his team in rushing and receiving yards. They have a real pass rush. I think they're very well coached by Jay Gruden. Washington's nine. I probably have them low. All right, Colin, at nine, Fez, where do you have Washington? Right in the middle at 15. They're middle of the road pack NFL team. All right, make your case. Oh, I think it's easy. The O-line is in complete and utter shambles. So when they get their guys healthy, I would agree with Kyle that probably they should be number nine. You agree with who? Colin. Oh, I thought you said Kyle. You were thinking Kyle Shanahan. I agree with the herd <laughs> that they should, that if, if those guys were healthy, but they're not. And let's look at that Seattle game. They couldn't move the ball at all. Um, what, the Blair Witch Project or whatever they're calling, Blair Walsh, missed three field goals for Seattle. And that's what kept them in that game. That was really a phony, fortuitous win. Hey, all the credit to Kirk Cousins. Oh, there he is. There he is. When the win goes the other way, it's a phony one. Well, I give a lot of credit to, I think, Kirk Cousins' time to it move him up. It should be a half up. a win either way. I, uh, but but uh, I agree with you. What wise guys do, I think, exceptionally well is understand these teams are dynamic based on injury. And it's not just the big name injuries. And you'll see, Maddie, you see it behind the counter as much as anyone a team will get bet like crazy by the pros week one, two, three, and then there's a couple of injuries, and lo and behold, they're betting against them the next week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and especially cluster injuries, not just to your point, big names injuries, but cluster injuries, especially to the offense and defensive. Offensive line, defensive secondary. Because I, they're hugely impactful, but typically the market doesn't account for them. So some of the pros do, but the market overall, I think, under accounts. So let's say this disagreement is probably a matter of semantics. I think Colin's right that if you spanned out the rest of the year, that, that, that the skin should be maybe around nine. But this current team this week, I think it's closer to 15. So speaking of that, Fez, let's talk uh, uh, side only here for now because we actually have a surprise big play on the total coming up in about a minute. But Fez, leaner-like on the side, and let's define it. The Skins are a one-point home dog, Vikings favored coming into Washington. I lean to Washington, although I have the Vikings two and a half points better. I think you got the free roll going here where you got the number 15 team in the NFL that might suddenly get better if we get a couple of those linemen back who are on the injury report right now. Four of them are on the injury report if they get healthier then suddenly Washington would have really strong value. If not, you got a fair bet. But if they got healthier, that line would move, right? Is it? So in a way, this is a great example of when to bet early, when to bet late. I think in almost all cases, you should bet early because whatever you don't know, no one else knows either. And it's better to get your bet down early because you're beating most of the Sharps because the Sharps get real involved. When do you guys up your limits, Manny? Wednesdays. So if you bet before, a lot of sharps are waiting and not showing their hand yet, right? Because they want to get those big, big bets down. Yeah, I think for us it's Wednesday at noon. So before then, you're right. A lot of times, as long as the game's not moving or doesn't look like it is, obviously if a sharp wants to play 20 dimes, he doesn't want to play five on Tuesday. He wants to get all 20 or 50 or whatever it is on Wednesday. So why let the sharps shape up the line come the upped limits, get down early? But I think there's a rare case to wait. And the case to wait is... If there's a specific piece of information 
that you think you either can predict the way it's going to go better than the market or you think the market is going to misprice that information in a way that hurts you. Let's think about those two scenarios. This is a good teaching moment. Imagine that the market is pricing a game like it's 50% that this player is going to play. But for whatever reason, you've got insight. And again, obviously it could be inside information, but it likely won't be. But you've got insight. You think there's an 80% chance he's going to play. Okay. Well, then the question is which team you're batting, right? If you're betting the team that's going to benefit from him playing, well, you play early. If you're betting the other team, you wait, let the line move when the news breaks, and then you play against that move, right? So that's scenario one. If you can predict the, the uncertainty better. But number two is if the uncertainty, once it's defined, if you think it's going to be mispriced, either to your favor or disfavor, that might make you want to wait and let it be mispriced to your favor and then take the extra value. And also, it's not like there's going to be a uh, memo that goes out to every sharp better. Hey, two of the guys for Washington are going to start now on the old line. This is one of the situations where it'll move the line but it'll be slow. It won't be big news like Des Bryant is out. Yeah, but if you're looking to play this game seriously, you want to get make sure on Twitter you've got a, a channel or a list, they call it, of the Washington beat writers and whoever might break it first, and you should be checking it. And I yes, mean, if you're serious. And you should have time to get down before the line moves. It'll move, but it'll t- it won't be immediate. So on the game itself, Maddie, lean or like? Or, or are you pretty much because you like the total here? Yeah, I just like the total. All right, so let's get to it. So, guys, side. typically, typically, we have our three best bets at the end, but we're going to change it up a little bit here because we had our order. Maddie got a little late breaking info, and he said, "You know, actually, I like this game best." And we want to give you his very best bet. So we're going to give an early best bet here, Maddie Holt. Uh, I'm taking under 43 on this game. If you have to lay 42 and a half, I'd still take it under then. I really love this total. Look, Minnesota's allowing 3.8 yards per play their last three games. They haven't allowed an opponent to score more than 17 points against them this season since week one against the New Orleans Saints, who only put up 19. No opponent has scored 20 or more against Minnesota this season. And for that vaunted Washington Redskins D offense that we we're talking about, 5.5 yards per play on the season, but last three games, only 4.8 yards per play on the season, showing that the injuries have had a down effect on the Washington Redskins offense here. Washington's defense, though, continuing to play well, got a couple of guys back. This feels like a game to me where I don't understand if you can't score 20 against Washington, I mean, against Minnesota in this game, how is it going over? Because Minnesota doesn't have the offensive firepower. And I feel like Minnesota might be a little more conservative this week. Teddy Bridgewater just got named active today. A lot of people assume he's coming back. Obviously, he's not going to start this week, may not start the rest of the season. But, you know, Case Keenum's going to be looking over his shoulder just a tiny bit more now, knowing that if he has a three interception game or if Minnesota loses two in a row, the fans are going to be chanting, Teddy, Teddy. I expect this one to be really low scoring. Under 43, 42 and a half. Fez, agree, disagree on that one. I agree strongly. You know, I really like this one. I look at just the pure math. Because if you look in terms of a yards per play, Minnesota has an elite defense. Everybody knows that. The perception is Washington has a below average defense. I just updated my numbers, but they've got an average defense on the yards per play. If you look at the offense, Minnesota has pretty good offensive numbers. But remember, with Case Keenum, without their running back that went down early in the year, they really are a slightly below average offensive team. And clearly, 
Washington is an elite offense when everyone's healthy. The whole team is injured. They are a below-average offense. You add it all up, the defenses on both sides have the advantage against the offenses. And to put it into perspective, Minnesota's offensive yards per play is only 5.1. When you look at the elite teams in the NFL, they're all well over 6, 6.2, 6.3. So Minnesota, maybe, uh, I'm, I'm with you, I think they're actually a slightly below-average offense. Minnesota, number 15 yards per play uh, and on offense. And on on defense, the season, last three, only 5.1 yards per play. 5.5 on the season. And on defense, though, they're number two. Yeah, 3.8 yards per play allowed. I mean, and no and that, team that's has hit last 20. three, right? Because on 3.8 the season, yards per play last three. Yeah, they're yeah. 4.6. Okay. Now, guys, you might think that's it for that game, right? No, no. Fezzik's first piece of the teaser. So we're going to have the dream teaser now every week. Fez is giving you one team, Maddie gives you the other. And as necessary, I'll tie break or whatever as necessary. Fez teaser. We're going to tease Washington up from the plus one up to either plus seven or plus seven and a half. Like them both in a six or a six and a half point teaser. So it's uh, give us the lay prices on each. So you're going to lay in most places. You're going to have to lay $1.20 on a six point teaser minus $1.30 on a six and a half point teaser. I love getting the seven and a half. I got to tell you. Uh, the key here, I think, is Maddie just t- made a great case for the under. Each one of these points becomes more and more valuable. Minnesota is not the type of team with Case Keenum that they're going to be able to extend the lead. Kirk Cousins is a awesome quarterback when you're behind. We saw him one minute march down the field, get got you a touchdown against Seattle to win the game. If you're down at the end of the game, down 10 points, he should be able to get you in the back door also. So do you like, you don't have any say on this, Maddie. Do you like that? I agree. I always like going through key two Three key numbers. Yeah. Uh, and let's face it. I mean, there's some books that if you try to do advantage teasers where you go through two key through two key numbers on both sides, they will actually charge you a dollar thirty instead of a dollar twenty. Don't play at those places. That's is right. my advice in general. Um, it seems like there's a lot of one and a half. I mean, we're taping on Wednesday afternoon. There's one and a halves out there, aren't there? Isn't there? Fact? Yeah. To me, I'm grading this a seven and a half. If you can get seven, I'm not playing it. I, and I, you know, I'm going to be playing this te- these teasers every week. So seven and a half, baby. And key concept Sharp. in terms when to bet, when not to bet. Bet that now because who cares if it goes up to two and a half and you get eight and a half or seven and a half. It's the same thing. But if you lose that one and a half, now you're not getting seven and a half. Asymmetric risk, Faz. I've taught you pretty well. Well, at least the words. You knew the, you knew the logic. All right, next game. This one's the only game that doesn't have a clean bucket. We're going to call this baby, How Good Are the Saints? Because the Saints are getting lots of love. Right now, Fez, you only have three teams in the NFL better than the Saints. The Steelers, the Patriots, the Eagles. Think about that. Starting the season, you had an average team. So a four-point upgrade. And we've got the Saints on the road, favored by three against the Bills. A Bills team, Fez, you've been sour on. And last week, it looked like you were right. Did not play well. Leaner like I leaned to the Buffalo Bills really good spot for them. They had the horrible game against the Jets on Thursday. So they had 10 days to go ahead and get ready. The weather's going to be decent, but it's going to be the in the 40s. The Saints. I love the Saints, but the, the book on the Saints is you want to lay it on the dome where they just lay it on people. They struggle in the elements. Oftentimes, uh, it looks like the point spread tax finally caught up to this Saints team that has been a juggernaut. Maddie Leaner like. I agree. I lean Buffalo in this one. Um, you know, I, this was probably my weakest lean here, though. I was hoping to get a little bit worse weather in Buffalo. I mean, the history has shown that Drew Brees and the Saints team do struggle outdoors. It doesn't look like the weather is going to be uh, very bad for this game, mid to high 40s. 
uh, light wind and no pre- no precipitation expected. So we're not going to get any weather to help us out here. And look at these New Orleans Saints yards per play numbers last three games. The last three games, New Orleans Saints, 6.6 yards per play on offense while only allowing 4.5 yards per play on defense for a difference of 2.1 yards per play. In the NFL, 2.1 yards per play differential, that puts you at the top of the class. Now, how much do you worry? Because I'm always worried about three games, the public. If anything, if I had a list of the disparity between the season yards per play and the last three, so that'd be easy. I Which could stack. I do. Uh, okay, so you have the is so if you look at the teams with the biggest disparity, I'm looking to play against the positive numbers and and I'm looking to play on the negative numbers because I figure people the bias of the public is they tend to overreact to what they saw most recently, and I think the the, the eight or nine games across the season are much more telling. I agree with that. I actually have last three, last one, home away, full season. But the problem is in the NFL, the whole season's only eight games. So, you know, certain some of the home or away, you mean. I mean, so far in the season, you know, some of these teams are only eight, nine, ten games max. So, you know, teams change drastically. Hey, what did Houston look like early in the season, middle of the season now? What did the San Francisco 49ers look like? Some of these teams changed. The New England Patriots, worst defense we'd seen in history through the first four games. Now, all of a sudden, they're back down to still being last, but it being a much more respectable last. I think last three is also an important gauge of what's happening lately with a team. I agree, but I'm just worried when those results are, if the results don't show on the scoreboard, I think they're interesting. I want to play on the positive. If they're shown on the scoreboard, I think they're at least going to be accounted for, if not over accounted for. Yeah, the Saints are awesome, and everybody knows it. That's why we're paying such a premium here. Let's look at these Saints, not just the last three games. They open up at Minnesota when Minnesota was at full strength and a Super Bowl contender with their running back, with their quarterback. They lose that game. Then they play the Patriots. They lose that game. Those are both very forgivable losses since then, 6-0. and The last two times that a team, it doesn't happen very often, lost their first two games, won their next six, those are both Super Bowl champions. But they can also tell us stories in the case of the New Orleans Saints, a very young defense coming into the season with low expectations, 5.3 yards per play allowed in the season, only 4.5 yards per play allowed the last three. Why? Because their defense, their young defense, is playing better. Now, when it comes to Twitter and... His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. Thank you, Stephen A. When it comes to Twitter, I am very stubborn. If, if Even if I'm wrong about something, if people are too aggressive about it, I'm going to wait a while before I admit I'm wrong. I'm going to admit it. But I'm going to wait a while because bullies, they don't work with me. I can't lie. But I'm scared to not talk about this topic. Fezzik. You got so much, so many happy people. I guess you're the underdog, right? Everyone loves the underdog. Not betting, but in life, I guess, because you seem to, you're like the genius that that gets a little, you know, bullied on the playground. Talk about bullies. I guess Maddie's bullying you sometimes. I think some people believe. I'm not judging. I'm not judging (laughs) it. I'm just saying. But you guys made a bet. Maddie won the first week. He was celebrating. But it was almost like the color of money. I don't know. They're they're playing that a lot on uh, HBO. I think it is. I I I love that movie. You know, Roger Ebert actually gave that a thumbs down. It was the first Scorsese movie he ever gave th- gave thumbs down to. But when they play that Warren Zevon song and he's and his hair was perk, one of the great scenes I think in movie. I love it. I've watched it probably five times in the last couple months. Just you know, flipping around. 
But what happens with pool hustling? Faz, you were never a pool hustler, were you? Yeah, I do know that the, no, but the, the art of the dump is to make it look like you're trying to make the shot. There it is. Just miss that bank shot just a little bit, right? Okay. Well, you just sat there in, in the $20 bet. And then when Maddie was celebrating, and he was, let's be honest, and you said, hey, let's five times the bet. That should have been a warning side. But Maddie, you jumped right in. How'd it turn out? Well, I I, I lost, <laughs> and I paid right up when I walked in. Happy to pay, you know. What I mean? No, no one's uh, questioning that you paid. But part of the no, reason we went to five up is because you wanted on board for twenty, and then the math. But we could have easily went to forty. Yeah. You didn't have to go four <laughs> X yourself. Uh, admittedly, I don't know why. So, Maddie, do you want to buy out? Do you want to just give Fez a couple hundred and just no, buy out? Absolutely not. I feel like I'm still a favorite. So, the rest if of the Fez way. wanted to go to my to two hundred, would you go? No. <laughs> Now, this is interesting. He feels he's a favorite, but he must not feel he's a, a, a prohibitive favorite, or he's surely. Yeah, he would go to the game, right? Okay. I think we've exposed the truth, a little bright light on the truth. Now, somehow, because I respect Maddie and he, he, he's got that tight professional haircut, I thought he knows what he's talking about. I jumped on. I got misled. Why would I go <laughs> against Fez? But luckily, Fez and I have a special deal. I don't settle up till five dimes. Oh. So, as. Right now I'm down 20, so we're on our way. <laughs> I have owed you more than 5,000 in the past. <laughs> and here's the, what I have to say about it all. Okay, you can owe me. <laughs> so Fez is, letting, <laughs> Fez is letting me owe. So, all right, Twitter, we talked about it, and we'll be talking about it every week, I'm sure. I don't feel too good. Next game, public pounder. This means the public's just pounding the heck out of it. Cowboys, 92% of the tickets so far. A three-point underdog at Atlanta. Maddie, you actually have your derivative bet. So that's one of the things is every one of our experts, Maddie and Fez, give a derivative bet, which is first half, second half, all that kind of stuff. Let's go with the side first, and then we'll get into the derivative. Fez, lean or like? Lean to Dallas. I just have them rated as the better team. I'm worried Des Bryant. So three home field. Yeah. Better team. It really gets that simple. Better. Who's the better team and w what's the situational edge? The, 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 I don't have a situation edge. I've got an injury concern. Obviously, I don't know if Elliot's playing. Probably Des Bryant has an ankle injury, but I got the Cowboys a point and a half better. If I got a team a point and a half better, RJ, and they're catching three on the road, I'm going to bet it every time. All right, Maddie. I said on various radio uh, appearances that I, Last week, Atlanta was the wise guy's wise guy play. It's like the comics comic. It's like he, it's not the most popular play, but the comics that understand comedy like this certain comic. Well, I thought the wise guys really not the big syndicates loved Atlanta. They were a two point underdog against Carolina and it closed out a two point favorite. Right. And uh, it went all the way to three, all the way to three on Sunday everywhere. So here's my question. It's going to be an open question. Yards per play is a great stat. Now we can all debate how much do you pass and run, and there's complexity there because passing teams gain more yards per snap. Um, but my theory is there's a disadvantage associated with turnovers. So if you look at turnovers and yards per play, you probably got something. Um, also, I think strength of schedule matters. Well, let's look at Atlanta. Their turnovers are minus four. So you could say, okay, maybe they're throwing a little more than they should be. All right. Their strength of schedule is 11, though. So they're, you know, better than average by a clear, you know, handful of teams. And right now their net yards per play is number one in the NFL. 
So how many yards do you gain on offense every time you snap the ball? How many yards do you give up on defense when your opponent snaps the ball? That net number, Atlanta's the best in the NFL. 1.1 plus 1.1 yards per snap on each shot. Last year, they made the Super Bowl. They were plus 1.1. So we now have over a year and a half where they've had exactly plus 1.1 last year and this year. In theory, they're as good of a team this year as last year. And obviously with Dallas being one of the top teams in the NFL and Atlanta lane three here, the wise guys still believe in the Falcons or is, are, are the Falcons as good as last year or are, are these numbers missing something? And, and interestingly enough, during this current uh, losing streak that the Falcons are on, you know, their yards per play on offense for the season is 6.2. But I went back, I had their last three, 6.2. You go back and look at their last four games, 6.2 yards per play on offense. Their offensive yards per play has not deteriorated at all, but it is not equating to points on the scoreboard. And typically that's red zone, that's turnovers, which tend to be a lot of luck. We've talked about red zones being 75% luck. So think about that. And Fez is jumping in here is if you have your full field stats and there's a big disparity to the red zone stats, typically in the long run, the red zone is going to move towards the full field stats. Fez, do you agree with that? And what do you specifically think about Atlanta? Yeah, I agree that it, it's going to go ahead and regress. And there's been a lot of, they've been unlucky this year. They were probably fortunate last year. I do think this team's a 2020 team. They moved the ball between the 20s. The play calling was Sark. Is so the, it's not 75% luck in the red zone for Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta's Why? the exception Because it's either scheme or personnel. Which one do you think it is? It is scheme. Some of the play calling is beyond troubling. I think it, I'll, I'll use one example. It's fourth and one, and they run a jet sweep to Gabriel. And I think this was against New England. And it gets stuffed, lost four yards. And it looks like New England knew what the play was to occur. And that's just not a play I see any NFL team ever run, probably for a good reason. All right, Maddie, this is a good segue. Talking about Sarkeesy in the first and half, second half splits, your derivative bet. Uh, I like Atlanta first half here. I think if there's ever a time where Atlanta has to come out and make a statement, it's now. And Steve Sarkeesian understands that he's under pressure. It's not just on this show. It's not just Sharps that are saying the scheme here, the game plan is bad. He's getting called out by the general media now. And I feel like uh, they lose again this week. He's probably gone. I think this is the week they come out fired up at home. That new stadium's really loud. I give them credit. Their new stadium's great. It's loud. Uh, I think there are top seven home field advantage in that stadium, especially with a winning football team. I, I think they have to come out strong this week against Dallas. I like Atlanta first half. Okay. So if as you like Dallas, at least you lean that way, right? Is, do you agree though, that if you could have second half over first half with Dallas, do you think Atlanta has any edge in the first half? Normally I would say yes, but there's one problem and a big problem with the bet. Garrett of Dallas, when he wins the coin toss, he almost always takes the ball. And Atlanta, when they win the coin toss, almost always defers. No way I'm betting on a team that isn't getting the ball to start the game. Fez, I'm giving that to you with no begrudgment, like Maddie Holt would, right? It's like, that was good. And Fez, I know you don't like, Fez, here's the thing. There's, Fez is as sharp as they come, but there's, you know, I don't know if the number's five, six, seven, eight. There's other people that sharp out there in the world. You just never hear them because they never want to share any of this. And Fez, and, and I'll be honest with you, that was one of our 
you know, tugs and pulls at the beginning is you wanted to hold stuff back. I said, you owe it. If you're going to do this, do it. The only time Fez will hold something back is if it doesn't have any general interest, right? We talked about your parlay cards. That doesn't have general interest. This kind of first quarter, all the, you know, stuff you do that's unbelievably sharp doesn't have a lot of general interest. So you kind of gave us something there. You guys track who takes the ball, who doesn't. And all those first quarters, guys, you're, if you're betting those derivatives and you don't know that, well, that's why Fez is Fez. Great stuff there. All right, next game, public pounder number two. Bengals, Titans. Titans at home favored by four and a half. 86% of the action. 86% on the Titans. Bengals off a number of disappointing performances. A.J. Green is playing as of Wednesday. Expected to play. Maddie, you actually like this game. Yeah, I like the fact that, look, the Bengals were a smaller underdog against Pittsburgh and against Jacksonville that they are here against Tennessee. I don't think anybody would have Tennessee ranked higher than either of those two teams right now. I mean, while Cincinnati did get hammered by both Pittsburgh and Jacksonville last week and was probably fortunate to win against Tennessee, it still goes to to the to the points that they were getting so much love for so long, and now all of a sudden everyone has completely jumped off board. You know, A.J. Green probably should have been suspended. He wasn't. I like the fact that he showed a little bit of fire. They still have weapons out there. And this Tennessee offense just isn't quite firing on all cylinders last week. Probably fortunate to get that three-point win last week at home versus Baltimore. I think this is going to be another close game probably. And I lean, I like Cincinnati. Fez, agree, disagree. I agree. I lean Cincinnati. I think Tennessee is an overrated commodity. Several reasons, one being their strength of schedule. They played a cupcake schedule. Second easiest ice show in the NFL. So let me look. So we use the Jeff Sagarin numbers, and we're talking about Tennessee here. Tennessee is number 31 with Sagarin, yes. Further, I'm not certain that Mariota has healed completely from his hamstring now Your speculation injury. was the bye would help. So what you saw in the game last week, has you still questioning it? He looked improved. He didn't look 100%. And now DeMarco Murray... He doesn't look like he's even at 80%. I think he averaged two yards per carry, and this is a ground-and-pound offense. If I can't have Mariota and DeMarco Murray running the ball, how are they going to be covering, especially as a favorite? Now, total's 40-and-a-half, so expect to be low scoring. But, I mean, do we look under? Especially, oh, man, I wish A.J. Green wasn't playing. Last week, there was 20 snaps without A.J. Green on the field. The Bengals scored or, or gained 23 yards, 20 snaps, 23 yards. Fez, you did a video last year, A.J. Green, most valuable player in the NFL, non-quarterback, might still be the case. No one's talking about it, but. Absolutely, and you could make the case the first half went over just barely with the Bengals, Jacksonville, then A.J. Green went out. Maybe that's why the game last week went under. That's why we're getting such a low total, hard to go under that. I think the Titans' offense has regressed. Right. And the theory is with a young quarterback, it's supposed to get better. I don't think that's happening. Okay, guys. It's at least stagnated because it certainly hasn't gotten better. And I I was with Fez coming off the injury. If Mariota, if this offense was ever going to get going, it was Mariota extra time, should be healthier now, should be more mobile. Yet their offense has stayed the same in Cincinnati for all their offensive woes, still third in the league in yards per play allowed at 4.6. And if you actually look at Tennessee's yards per play last year, on offense, they gained 5.7, this year 5.3. And considering they have such a poor strength of schedule, you would have to think they've regressed 
At least I think that's a good bet. By the way, all these yards per play, I put it out a sheet that takes a lot of time to put together on Twitter at RJ in Vegas every Thursday, right around kickoff of the Thursday night game. And it has the offense, the defense, the net last year's numbers, the year over year arithmetic turnover margin strength of schedule the, to me, this is uh, we call it the wise guy. One sheeter. It's not the only stuff that matters, but on a one-sheeter, Faz, what do you think? It is the one tweet that you send out each and every week that I read copiously and be sure. I'm not I, sure that's a compliment. And I, well, I, I you read the other ones, just not as close. I don't get printouts and take them to the bathroom <laughs> with me. Well, there, wow, that could be a sound drop. I like it. Next game, oh, pros versus Joes. Let me get Huey lined up. Let's make sure I'm ready to hit him with Huey. I hope. I can't be, I can't lie. I like when they're square. It's fun. And you do too, be honest. We got the Dolphins. We got the Panthers. Panthers now favored by nine. I mean, this Dolphins team is four and four. They're playing a Carolina team that's six and three, and they're almost getting double digits, a total disrespect for the Dolphins. So many close wins since early last season. And the the Sharps just believe those are half wins, those close wins. And imagine if Miami only won half those games. Their 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 perception with the public would be so different. And the wise guys, oh, they know. So a very uh, low rated Dolphins team, and the pros, though, on the Dolphins in this spot, seventy seven percent of the money, but sixty six percent of the tickets on the Panthers. Leaner like Maddie. I lean toward Miami here, and I use them as my half of the teaser this week on the Miami Dolphins going through 10, through 14, all the way from 8.5 up to 14.5, or if you're lay, if it's 9, you're getting 15. Either way, through two key numbers there, uh, low-scoring game, so I expect that, uh, you know, in a, in a game where there's expected to be that few points scored, having more than 14 is a big-time bonus. And we talk about, hey, how, what do you make of splits on yards per play this season? Carolina, one of the worst home versus away splits on yards per play in the entire league this year. At home, only 4.4 yards per play this season on their, their offense at home, while on the road, 5.2 yards per play uh, Carolina's offense hasn't been very good at home this year. I'm going to go ahead and lean Miami and put them as the second half of our dream teaser. Miami plus 14 and a half. Washington plus seven and a half. The first dream teaser. I'll be betting it. Fez, we know the, the most advantaged teaser is actually up through three and seven. If you look at the history and the math, uh, MTI has done a lot of work on that. Um, the, Going from a dog to a seven and a half, eight, eight and a half point dog is better than going from an eight point favorite down to two or whatever. But going up or down through three and seven, most valuable. Um, my gut feeling is going through seven and 10 the other way. I guess both ways would be second and then going through 10 and 14 would be third if we were just looking at the math of the value of the numbers. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I personally only tease when I go through the three and seven corridor, but there's a lot of value picking up a 10 and picking up a 14. Because the theory is if, if, if the line is correct, if God made the line and the line is correct and you can go through seven and three, it's almost a slight edge. Even if you're laying 120, even if you had no opinion on the game, correct? Absolutely. With the teaser that's not going through three and seven, you've got to like the game a little bit. 
and then it's getting those numbers that are worth it. Plus, you like the game. Is that how you think about it, Maddie? Yeah, I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure that seven and ten are that much more valuable than ten and fourteen. I think they're pretty close. Three and seven, obviously, clearly the yeah. number one most priority one. Um, well, see, so seven's worth about eleven cents, right? And I mean, ten and fourteen aren't either of those aren't worth eleven, is? Oh, 14 actually yeah. is worth as much. The reason people don't think it's worth as much is because uh, when the games pick them, it doesn't land. Yeah, so the that real, often. if you do the analysis, you have to look when the lines between 13 and 15, how often does it land 14? And same thing with three, right? The key is if the line's two and a half, three, three and a half, how often does it land three? And that's almost 10% of the time. It's like nine and change. It and, lands three. And it's not a coincidence. Maddie and I are both picking games to tease that have lower relative totals where those points are worth more. Excellent. And especially as you get up over 14 and a half. All right. So the teasers in guys, let's cash that baby. I do have a derivative bet. Oh, wow. On this See, one. I mean the action, the action here. Go ahead. Fast. All right. I'm going to play the first quarter under seven and a half. The line is not up yet. I imagine we're probably gonna have to lay maybe about minus a dollar 30. So where, where don't you lay it? You lay 40. Do you lay 45? Where? Up to minus 140 is the buy price. I'm confident that's where it's going to come. So first quarter under seven and a half. Lay it up to minus a dollar. So what's 40. the logic? Here's the logic. Cutler has cracked ribs. I'm not sure he's 100% recovered. What I saw was an extremely accurate quarterback. I was shocked by this against the Oakland Raiders that dinked and dunked all night long. Didn't throw down the field. Just kept completing four, five, six-yard passes. Wasn't effective to win the game. Kept them in the game. But I expect because they were successful moving the ball that they will duplicate that and the clock will just keep moving and they'll pick up a couple first downs and punt. Further, if we look at Carolina, remember Greg Olson, uh, the tight end for Carolina, he is out. He got he, uh, for, for the year. Benjamin got traded, their number one breakaway wide receiver. So now Cam needs to be careful with the ball. They're a nine-point favorite. He wasn't careful against the Bears. Remember the two 75-yard defensive touchdowns for the Bears? Take care of the ball. Don't turn it over. That means conservative early play. So why first quarter? I mean, I, I guess you're saying early play. Why first quarter over the game? I don't trust Cutler in the second to half. A, to throw a pick sixes if he's behind? Pick six down, 10-13. Okay. Cam Newton has been the leading rusher for Carolina four straight games. Think about that. The quarterback. And if you look at the other players, no other running player on the team is averaging more than three yards per carry. No other player on the team so this Carolina team cannot run other than Cam. If you look at yards per play, Miami number 31, net number 32 on offense, Carolina number 26 on offense, net, or yards per play, not net. So, man, oh, man, these are not good offenses. And I think, like you said, there's motivation to be conservative, Fez. So that's his derivative bet under first quarter. Seven and a half is the number all the way up to minus 140, correct? Yes. All right, guys, we're almost, wow. We got one more game, and then we're into the smart money, the double likes, and the best bets. And one of them, remember, is a crossfire. Do you think they went against me, or do you think they went against Fez? That's the question. Now, we've got a total game from Fez, Patriots-Broncos. We got right now the Pats on the road, favored by seven and a half. Let's look at the side first. Matty Holt, lean or like? 
I, I lean Denver here, but I also played Denver on the super contest last week because that number was eight and a half instead of seven. So I took the value, but I, I don't know if this Denver defense is given up or not, but if they haven't historically, New England has some trouble up there. They have trouble scoring up there. Um, and I have to assume that the Denver offense is going to get better. You know, they just can't continue to play as bad as they have. And uh, whether it's Brock Osweiler or Trevor Simeon, this this was a really difficult game for me, but I lean Denver. And the public is having no difficulty. 94% of the tickets, 95% of the cash on the pads. You know, Fez, I, one of your best bets was Denver last week. You've had an amazing NFL season with your premium picks, but one of your best bets was Denver. And we were just playing wrong about it. They, they, they didn't get the pressure we thought against the Eagles. Um, Osweiler wasn't an upgrade. Give me an assessment of, and I guess it segues to your total Osweiler and what you're seeing with the Broncos. No quarterback. Simeon can't play when he's injured. Osweiler can't play a lick. You don't have a quarterback. So at this point, there's no upgrade with Osweiler. I think it might be a downgrade. Even from an injured Simeon. About the same. All right, give us the pick. The pick, we're going to go on the total. We're going to go under the 46 and a half. You know, I look at this New England Patriots. I know their stats defensively are terrible, but their stats weren't that good last year defensively, RJ, and they were the number one scoring defense in the NFL. The last four weeks, they've held every opponent to 17 or fewer points. That included games against the Chargers and games against the Atlanta Falcons. If you can hold every one of your opponents to 17 or less, how are the Denver Broncos going to get 17 against you? And I'm not even sure the Patriots are going to cover because Denver still does have that awesome defense. And Denver's been great, that defense, against so you the think Patriots. That D is, you think that D is still as good as we thought? I misspoke. No, it's not as good, but it's been great historically against New England. If there's one defense that's been able to stop New England, it's been the Denver defense, I think, pride against the Super Bowl champs. They'll bring it in this game. It has underwritten all over to me. And whether it's altitude, noise, you know, just home field factor, most teams do have a better yards per play allowed at home than on the road. Denver's is a half a, a half a full yard better at home. 4.5 yards per play allowed at home. 5.0 allowed on the road. So significantly better results defensively for Denver's defense at home. Okay, I, I tend to agree with this one. Um, and I think that's interesting because year to year in the NFL, I'm always leery because there's such turnover. But I think Denver's D, though they made some a little schematic shift to be better against a run is is what I understand. And I go by experts I trust with that. Uh, you know, a lot of consistency, I think, on the Pat side. I think the case could be made and a good history with that Denver defense against the Pats. Under is the pick. Okay, so we've got. Let's think about this. Fez with the under, we got to lean towards Denver. And remember, we only allow Fez one total and Maddie one total a week. So this is a one they feel real about. We are heading to the most actionable. Listen, we had a ton. We had a bonus best bet, an early best bet. But this is where this is the home stretch with smart money, double likes, best bets, crossfire. This is good stuff. First, though, guys. Once again, we grew. Now, we're, we're partners with Podcast One, the biggest podcast company in the world. And we were honored when they wanted us to participate with them. Adam Carolla, the biggest podcaster in the world. I'm on with Adam every Wednesday. Had a perfect 2-0. Adam's been giving me some heat. You know, he's a comedian. I don't know, Fez, if you know that. Tries to be funny. Well, 
Adam's been trying to, he, he joked because I went one and one and he goes, RJ Bell, the Associated Press official odds provider, blah, 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 blah. And like a coin, 50%. So, you know, trying to be funny, but perfect two and a week. I wasn't too hard on him. I, I hit him a little bit. I can't lie, but I wasn't too hard on him. But here's what's super exciting about all this. We are now, there's hundreds of podcasts on podcast one. The dream preview NFL edition is one of the 20 biggest podcasts right now on podcast one. Think about that. Hundred, a hundred plus thousand a week listening. Amazing guys. And we grew again last week. And that means I owe you as Rodney would say, here's the coupon. So what do you do with this coupon? If you want Fezzik's best bets, you want anyone's best bets in the NFL, go to pregame.com, click buy picks, look around, select something in your shopping cart. And then there's an area for discount for coupon. And you use NFL dream 13. It's all caps. NFL dream the number one, the number three, get 13 bucks off. Fez, how much is your Sunday best bet package? $24. So that means, let me do the math, $11. They can get all your best bets. We're kind of like selling 99 cent hamburgers, RJ. How are we going to make any money? I don't know. I, you worry about that. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about the people. All right. I'm worried. About, but how do we keep growing every week, guys? It's tweet out the pod. It's tell your friends. Now, listen, if your friends don't gamble, don't tell them. But if they're interested in gambling, why wouldn't they be interested if you are? At least it's worth a listen. And even if you don't do that, or if you want to do a little bit more, we don't care if you buy anything. If you want to buy, buy. If you don't, don't. If you don't want to buy, don't buy. But if you want to buy, you might as well get a discount. But if you're not buying, do us a favor. Share it or go into iTunes and rate us. We are a five-star podcast with hundreds of ratings. And I'll tell you, I take that very seriously. I'm so proud of that. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the growth. And now the stakes are going up. This is Smart Money Game number one. Giants, 49ers. Line opened up with the 49ers favored. Now the Giants are favored. Smart Money Game on the Giants. So let's get this straight. The Smart Money's on the Giants. Fez, leaner like. I land San Francisco here. I'm on the <laughs> oh, square side. But remember, guys, we don't hit them with Huey unless it's a like. You know, and, and really what it was is I don't think I evaluated the injuries properly for San Francisco. I got San Francisco. So you're reconsidering. I'm reconsidering because there's been so much money. And I look at the injury report. Maddie's probably got it locked and loaded over there. The, the San Francisco, uh, they're not the 49ers anymore. They're just a bunch of backups. Uh, well, but if you're one of the worst teams in the league anyway, did, are the replacements that much worse is the question. Maddie Leaner, like, I mean, we always talk about, hey, what's the key factor for every game? It's one of the things we discussed before we started. My key factor for the San Francisco 49ers, 20 players listed on the injury report this week. That's a big factor. Look, the New York Giants defense hasn't been very good this year, you know, for all the hype they got last year. But. They've been a lot worse at home than on the road. 5.9 yards per play allowed on the road, only 5.7 yards per play allowed at home. And I think this Giants team overall is just the better football team. And even if not for all the injuries at this point, San Francisco is decimated. Uh, and and I don't understand this Jimmy Garoppolo thing. Let's trade for him, but keep him on the bench all year. Uh, I don't have much. So what for- exactly are you hearing about that? 
about Garoppolo and when he's expected to play. I'm hearing a lot of mixed reports about it, actually, that maybe he could play in a couple weeks from now, or maybe they're just going to sit him on the bench for the whole season. But if you're not going to audition him, why the heck did you trade for him? Because they're going to, they're going to, um, Whatever it, it, I don't know how it's called franchise or there's different ways to do it. You're going to franchise him without ever seeing him play a game in your offense. I think what they're going to do is this. And to me, this is the driver in this game that's taking me off San Fran. My first thought was San Fran because I love winless teams. You know, they're motivated. And I love winless teams that lost a lot of close games. And San Fran lost five straight by a field goal or less, but they've been horrible since then. And to me, when they went, away from Hoyer, who, let's be candid, three-year contract with the Pats, now obviously a backup, but this Hoyer wasn't horrible. He could. Here's the question, and this is something Fez and I were talking about on the phone a couple of days ago, is I have a new way to think about these horrible teams. And I actually talked about this. Now I think about it. We talked about this also on the Dream Preview College Edition. It's a good time to talk about that. If you bet college and you're not listening just go to Podcast One, search for RJ Bell, go to iTunes, search for it, go to my Twitter at RJ in Vegas, and the college comes out on Wednesday, NFL on Thursday. And, and Fez, you sat in on the college this week. A lot of good stuff, crossfire, et cetera, et cetera. Maddie, tell me what you think of this because you probably haven't heard it yet. I'm going to eliminate every team that has a incompetent quarterback. Now, what does incompetent mean? Now, you know, actually my best bet goes against this, but it's so much value. I'm going to almost eliminate every team <laughs> with an incompetent quarterback defined as it's not reasonable they throw for 300 yards once every 10 games. Yeah, Brady's going to throw, you know, whatever, three, four, five out of 10. I'm saying if this guy throws one out of 10, you'd be surprised. I don't want to bet this team. What's the chance that the 49ers quarterback's going to throw for 300 yards? What are the chances that either do? In this game. Uh, well, I think Manning's chances are much higher. I mean, well, maybe possibly. not great, right? I mean, unfortunately for Manning, the receiving core is so decimated that they're in trouble too. But I do no, agree, I agree that that I would be much more surprised if C.J. Brethard threw for 300 yards this week than maybe every other quarterback not named Deshaun Kaiser in the league. <laughs> uh, I don't like I don't like you saying that. I can't lie. All right. <laughs> You'll know in a few minutes. But here's my question. And we were talking about this. The old school sharps were like the old school investors, the Warren Buffets that wanted value. They wanted that last puff on the cigar, as we were talking about yesterday. It seems like the new school sharps won't play the worst teams. You take the biggest bets in Las Vegas behind the counter, literally the biggest, is what have you seen? What's different between the 33-year-old 33 33 computer algorithm guy and the number of really horrible teams he takes because there's quote-unquote value? And what? how would you compare them to the old-school cigar chompers that were always looking for the worst teams? So, so it depends. A lot of the younger guys love model building more than ever. Like if you would have talked about model building as like a hobby or an exercise 10 years ago, people would have been like, what do you mean? Planes, cars, model what? Trains? Now there's a group of people that that's what they do is hobbies. They build models. They like to do it. It's fun. It's interactive. Then they want to put it to the ultimate litmus test. Um, so we're seeing it more than more. And unfortunately, or, or fortunately, whatever, these teams are going to end up on that report sometimes as value because public perception is 
Cleveland so bad, San Fran so bad uh, that they do end up there. We actually see quite a bit of money on the Niners and Cleveland throughout the season from younger betters. Okay, but the question is... Like, not- we have a young better. He's in his mid-30s. He's one of our biggest betters. He bets six figures in NFL game, period, and college football. And he can basically bet whatever games he wants with six figures per bet. And he... Big, big winner. No, he's... Let's call him cl- close to even guy. Okay. High volume player. So why are we player. worried about him? Because he fits that mold of younger, 30-something. Yeah, but I'm something. looking at the guys that really win... That are the newer, younger. And it's not even about young. I was going to say, I don't know how many 20-year-olds win. Yeah, wow. That's interesting. So I guess here's my question. It's my belief that every week, if you go with the old school, that you look at the five worst teams in the league, that they're going to bet at least three of those every week. Do you feel like the the, the maybe it's not 20 I do something. feel maybe like it's the early 40s guys. I do feel like that has changed a bit. There has been a move away from... Um, the very, very bottom of the barrel teams being bet every week. Like what we saw last year with Cleveland and Jacksonville from the Sharps. Every single week they were on Cleveland. I'm not saying some Sharps aren't betting these teams every week. I'm saying the best of the best are throwing out. It feels like the best of the best are losing maybe a third of these stinker games, and those third are 50% at best. Fez, what do you think? I agree. I think, look at last year. Money came every week on the Jets and the Cleveland Browns. Every week they didn't cover, but that was selective money. I think some of the guys were still following the 20-year trends. Hey, I'm taking double digits blindly almost on the worst teams, whereas other guys said, you know what? I'm going to be a little bit more advanced than that. I'm not getting the point spread value I got back in 2006. I'm passing. And to me, the driver is, if you don't have a decent quarterback, it's almost hard to think you're getting value if the quarterback isn't competent. Okay, guys, anything to close on this game? So we had smart money on the Giants. Injuries is what we think is driving it. Oh, I had one more comment. Another big home away bias here. San Francisco 49ers yards per play on the season allowed. On the road, 5.0 yards per play allowed. That's pretty good. 5.9 yards per play allowed at home this season. That's almost six yards a yeah, play. You know, I'm leery about that when the sample is so small because strength, the schedule is so important. You know, I hear you. The but sample's small overall in a season. I know, but it's play. half as small when it's home road splits, right? Here's what I think is why I'm off the 49ers. Injuries and also this. The, the teams give us cues. And, I, and, the, and the team themselves f- hear and acknowledge those cues from the front office, from the coaching staff. What's the 49ers telling us by not rushing in Jimmy G? They're telling us we're okay going one to 15 this year. We wouldn't mind the first pick in the draft and we can trade for a bunch or maybe we pick. I mean, imagine, and this is what Seattle did. Remember Russell Wilson wasn't supposed to be the quarterback, but they drafted him in the second round and they signed I'm having a metal block. It was Flynn, was it? They signed the old, the Packers quarterback. And if you look at what the Bears... It was supposed to be the starter. Matt yeah. Flynn, yes. What I'm saying is, would it be crazy for the 49ers to make, take the top pick on the draft on a quarterback to franchise Jimmy G, understand for one year you're going to have you know a lot of money in quarterbacks, and at the end of that first year, if Jimmy G is is really good... 
you let that first you you trade the first round pick, and if Jimmy G isn't, you don't pay him after next year. The problem with that theory is you never get adequate value back for that number one draft pick. So let's no, pre- if they lay an egg. But what happens if Jimmy G is a nine out of ten, and and this quarterback's an eight out of ten? You don't think they're going to trade the heck out? I mean, if, if, if how do you know the second quarterback's an eight out of ten? You're going to play them both equally every game? Well, it, it, no, but in a, it, the beauty of it is, you're no gonna, one you're really knows. Compare it on preseason, yeah, but or, no, no one knows. They're going to be drafting off. Uh, let, uh, that's an interesting point, right? Is if Aaron Rodgers? Now I know this was a different era, right? But Aaron Rodgers didn't play his first year. What was he, the 20th pick? I mean, he, he was certainly in the second half of the first round. Right? Everyone was shocked that they, you know, Brett Favre, and they picked this quarterback. If they try to trade Aaron Rodgers after year one, do you think they would have had trouble getting back the same value as the way they draft, you know, the 20th pick or whatever? I think it's hard. I, I think it's easy to say that now, but I think it's hard to unbiasedly go back and look at Aaron Rodgers and pretend that we don't know he's the great Aaron Rodgers. And, hey, do we all remember what the public perception was of Aaron Rodgers sitting on the bench year one? No one was talking about him at all. I don't know. I can't recall if there was a good perception. About no, him I agree, but I think in general. Let's use more recent terms. What ba- what? first round draft pick quarterback the last couple of years is sitting on a bench somewhere that you can get value for Jimmy G he the pick they're getting for Jimmy G is better now think about that when they draft one of the things that makes one sec fest one of the things that make draft so va- draft choice so valuable is that cheap contract for X number of Agreed. years so Jimmy G now has a half a season left on a cheap contract and they got a high second round pick and when they drafted Jimmy G, it was at the end of the second round. So they had a cheap quality backup for all those years. And now they're trading him in for something better. And he played a game and a half. Now, some of that love a Belichick, right? But I think unless a quarterback, now, if a quarterback lays a total egg, then you, 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 you lose it. But you, it's going to be a loser anyway. If you didn't have Garoppolo and you, you pick a quarterback, number one, they lay a total egg, you're losing a ton. So, or maybe they don't draft number one. Maybe they sign Cousins and they keep Jimmy G for a year and figure, let them bat. Who knows? All I'm saying is I think what we're seeing is Jimmy G this year is not going to play very much, which means they have longer-term perspectives on him, which means they're telling this team we don't mind not winning. But do you think you can get enough of an audition in practice to know whether you, Jimmy G's our guy we want to keep or not? Because the problem with Jimmy G is you have to pay him in the off season. No, it's for one year though. If you franchise them, that's 27 yeah, no, million. I know. I know you can't sign Kirk cousins and franchise Jimmy G. You can't have 58 to 30 to 60 million in quarterbacks. And you make a good point prior to the practice changes. You could find out a lot more about backups from what I hear now with less practice time. It's even harder. It's so hard to evaluate quarterbacks. I was just reading articles about Hunley before uh, Rogers got hurt how they were shopping him. And there was a ton of interest in people trading to get him as their starting quarterback. Well, I think that's changed just like our best bet on the Packers last week. I think we all like that one. All right. Next smart money game. And then we've got a double like and two best bets. One of them a crossfire. If you can believe it, jets, Tampa Bay jets favored on the road by two and a half against Tampa. Smart money on the Jets. By the way, the public is on the smart side. 89% of the cash, 85% of the tickets. By the way, you go to pregame.com. 
click on Game Center, click the consensus tab, you can see the bet split on every game, every sport, cash and tickets. Only place in the world the cash is available for free. Only place in the world. And guys, we've got to be honest a second. You thought the Jets, it's time for a little accounting. You thought the Jets were the worst team of the last 10 years entering the season, right or wrong? Right. <laughs> All right. Now, what did you get wrong? They have a good quarterback. Uh, McCown, you could make the case, is one of the four most important players in the NFL because if he went down, then Bryce Petty would have to take over and the team has played so hard for Coach Bowles, trying to win each and every game and playing maximum motivation. And I think I think finally, because the Bills was the other team you were thinking might be dumping, I think it's time that we remember for next year, these teams don't dump. Well, the, yeah, I was partially correct, I think, in some what? ways. What? I said New, what? Yo- I said New York you was going just- to ah. I said New York was going to dump this year and I think when we watch the Giants in December we'll see that. <laughs> They're going to dump their coach. All right. So we know the Sharps are on the Jets. Tampa is in free fall it seems. Matty Holt leaner like lean Tampa Bay. Um, and for me, I couldn't get over my power rating differential. So I send out my numbers um, the week ahead of time. I made this line uh, like 5.75, which is like just shy of six. It'd be like six even or five and a half uh, minus 20. And, and the problem was, so now from five and a half to two and a half, which is eight points. And that was with Jameis Winston in and Mike Evans in, but are Mike Evans and Jameis Winston worth eight points? Absolutely not. Um, so I don't think it, I still think there's a little power rating value alone in it. And in a game where I don't have an opinion, the power rating has to dictate that opinion. I still lean Tampa Bay to me. So what's the downgrade? We'll start with you, Maddie, between Winston and Fitzpatrick. So we sent five and a half Tampa. So from five and a half Tampa, which was going to be a consensus power rating. You know, we, we have, we share power ratings with other people. It was going to be a consensus, you know, maybe it was going to be five or four and a half, but it was going to be at least four and a half to five and a half, the opener with Tampa. And now no Winston, no Evans. It's up to two and a half the other way. Some of that steam granted, but at seven or eight point seven minimum eight, you know, at least maybe eight, for those two players at some point it's beyond what those two players I think are worth the adjustment. So that's interesting. So uh, Frez, if we said Winston to Fitzpatrick, I would say we're looking at two and a half or three points. If Winston was healthy, but his ACL injury to his, or to his shoulder never healed completely and got re-aggravated. It's not even clear who the better quarterback is. It's pretty comparable injured Winston versus a healthy Fitzpatrick. So you're saying Maddie that Tampa would have been favored by four, four and a half. Yes. Four and a half was a real number on the look ad line that yeah, I saw. It was, it was the real number. early line. Yeah. So what the heck's going on here? You tell me. That's I, why I lean Tampa. I think. Why don't ad- you love Tampa? Well, I don't love not having Mike Evans and I don't love Ryan Fitzpatrick who throws as many interceptions per start as any quarterback since I've been watching football. And Mike Evans is like A.J. Green. He's literally the under-the-radar most important wide receiver for any team. You can talk about Tampa having O.J. Howard, having um, you know the kid from uh, Philadelphia, but he's the straw that stirs yeah, the drink on that Deshaun offense. Deshaun Jackson. So, Matty, we never know for sure if the sharp money is dumbing up the game. It's going to come back later. 
Do you get, but you have looked at this money pouring in for years and years. Do you get any sense on the Jets? Is this, uh, is this a real position or are they trying to dummy up the game? So there are still a couple of syndicates out there. And this happens with a few of the major syndicates that when they release early plays, they get steamed. They, they hit them and then the steam comes behind them. And that one of those groups hit the jets earlier. Now, how often is that initial money legit? And how often are they buying it back later? Well, that's debatable. That's something I don't really, yeah. I, don't, I don't have the actual figures, so I don't want to speculate, but there certainly is some buyback. Yes. And, um, and I, I have no idea in this case, what, it, whether it was a legit move on the jets or not. And look, it looks like a great number laying jets at a pick them now. Anyway, but now it's steamed up to two and a half as a lot of people have jumped on board here. And I'm just, I think it's a little too much of an overreaction to the Evans and Winston injuries. So Fez, you only lean Tampa. Why not like them? Cause I'm waiting for three and then I will like them. This is game. But, but here's the, here's the thing. And let's define this. We are assuming with these picks that you either bet now or you don't bet. I'm not. So you can say, I like it here, but I think it's going up and I'm going to wait but is assume you have one chance to bet. There's a sports book. We won't bash them too hard or at all that will only let you bet. It's one of the biggest in town. You can only bet once a day. If you walk in at noon and bet, you can't come back at midnight and bet. Right. So assume this, he's, he's nodding. He won't even say yes. He doesn't want to have yes. On, on <laughs> I'm a restricted better. Yes. When, when, when Fez is dealing with books, Peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> <laughs> so let's assume this is the one time. If you don't bet the Jets, or I'm sorry, the Bucks plus two and a half minus one hundred five is what we've showing. You can't ever bet it. Do you? Do you bet it? I do. I'm heading to McCarran in one hour. I got to get my bets down now. I absolutely bet it. This game is equivalent to last week. So I'm- let's get this straight, though. So the sharp money's on the Jets, and I just baited you into liking Tampa. We worked for the hit of a It's the same game as Atlanta, Carolina last week. Sure, all the money came in on Atlanta plus two, and it was plenty smart when it got to Carolina catching two and a half, and even three eventually, but even at two and a half. Carolina was a good sports investment. Maddie, the sharpest move of the whole pod was that. Let's that be honest. was pretty slick. Because <laughs> I wasn't sure where you're going to get one all show. All right, guys. I feel like I should take half of that one for Fez. I mean, I if you I would go better right now, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good stuff, guys. You know, I, I, I would too, probably, but at three for sure. I mean, man, I, I know Winston and the whole, uh, you know, the uh, I'm having a metal block the week. The, the thing in the preseason where, where they, they follow him around hard, hard, knocks. hard knocks. That's it. Yeah. Is I mean, there's a lot of premium often on those teams. And but I mean, this Winston well, coming I, under a 10 win season. Yeah. I mean, you got to wonder if he's in the league in, in a couple years. I mean, when, when he's healthy, he has shown that he can throw the football with. with so we think this is about injury. I think some that, of it he is. was even banged up before he's out. I think some of it is because he actually last year you saw he got into really good shape. He was chubby coming out of college. He got into tremendous football shape. And when he's healthy, he can well, really whip seafood. It. If you steal that seafood, yeah. it, it puts some weight on <laughs> next game. 
This is our one double like, and it's actually me liking with Fez. It's Steelers. It's Colts. Steelers favored by 10 on the road. Fez, who do you like? I like the Colts. I like everything about this game. I The Steelers are not a buttoned-up type team. They're on a long winning streak. They're on a bye week. They're probably partying in Cancun, having a great time until Tuesday of this week. Contrast that with the Colts. Yes, they've been terrible. Yes, they have a very bad defense, but Brissett is playing much better for this team. They do have a capable starting quarterback, and that was evidenced by the fact that they should have won at Cincinnati, uh, gave the game away at the very end, and they also won the game at Houston as a six-point underdog, so they're in a home momentum situation. Love the Colts catching 10. This number's got to drop before kickoff. All right, so you would say bet early. Even though, and this could be a public pounder too, 89% of the tickets on Pittsburgh. Yeah, one $100,000 bet's going to wipe out that public. So, Matt, if you had to guess, where does this line close? Uh, well, how's this sound? I'm going to give my analysis, and then you can give your bet. Here's what's driving this to me. Tomlin, it's pretty much assess motivation, and if there's a chance for the team to be flat, they're probably going to be flat. This stat is amazing. The entire NFL since 2006, other than the Pittsburgh Steelers, when they're favored on the road by nine points or more, 65 and 10 straight up, one tie, one actual tie, 65 and 10 straight up. The Pittsburgh Steelers in that same time, favored by nine points or more on the road, six and five straight up. So literally a third of the league's losses as a nine point or bigger favor is the five from Pittsburgh. The rest of the league only has 10 in the last decade. So it's once a year, a team will lose favored this much. And Pittsburgh does it every other year. I mean, it's, uh, it's a bad situation. And to me, I think this Pittsburgh team probably has a high, I think Pittsburgh playing their best is better than the Eagles, but this is not a spot for them to be their best. Maddie, where do you think the line goes? I think it's probably going to stay around 10. I think so the no public's going to yeah. stay on Pittsburgh. And I, and I think some of the sharp money is going to stay away from this game. We talked about Pittsburgh's offense being underwhelming and underperforming for weeks and weeks and weeks to open the season. But the last three weeks, the la- which is the last three games, which is the last four weeks for Pittsburgh, 6.5 yards per play on offense, second best in the NFL in that span behind only the New Orleans Saints or 6.6. So you've been waiting for that Pittsburgh offense to explode. And on paper, last three games, last four weeks, it finally has. Okay, any closing thoughts, Fess? No, I think we covered it. Actually... Looking at the notes here, Maddie, you've got your second derivative on this game. You have your second derivative, a bonus one on this baby. So I actually like, and this is a prop we offer on all the ISO TV games. You can find it readily available somewhere if you shop just a little bit, is will there be a successful two-point conversion in this game? And the odds are normally between no minus 360 and no minus 420. Let's just call it in the middle, like no minus 390. Let's say you can get three to one on this. No one tries for more two-point conversions in the NFL than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you tend to get more two-point conversions in games with big spreads because as the spread gets larger, you have games that land on 11. So you have a team going for two stuck 11 or stuck 16. 
So you tend to get more in games with bigger variances and bigger spreads anyway. I think at three to one, there's a little value at three to one or better. There's a little value in betting the yes on will there be a successful two point conversion in this game? Faz agreed this great. I agree strongly because Tomlin loves to go for two. It'd be even better if Indy was at Pittsburgh with bad weather because we miss an extra point more likely, which makes a two-point conversion more likely. Double like on the Colts. Me and Faz, two games left, two best bets. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. All right, guys, best bet time sponsored by Blossom. Okay. <laughs> have you looked up Blossom yet, Maddie? No, I haven't. Write it down. All right. It You're going to have a little crush on her, I think. Okay. I don't know if that's even fair to say because in the 90s, it was okay for me to have a crush on her. I think she was like maybe 15 on the show. So maybe just like a, you know, a, 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 a you know, Affection might be the right way to say it. <laughs> Moving on. Best bet. My best bet. I swore I wasn't going to bet the Browns. I'm betting the Browns. I gave it to Corolla and I love this game. I mean, this is the stat of stats. Now we all know, and it's, it's important that Owen four teams or worse. And when I say we all, everyone that listens closely to the dream preview if you're 0-4 or worse, you hit about 56% of the time just playing that team blindly the last 30 years because the public hates, hates zero-win teams, and thus there's just extra value on them. But check this out. If a team is 0-5 or worse, and they have 10 days rest or more, so a buy obviously falls into that, they are... And, you know, I don't have my notes, but I'm almost sure this is the exact number. If it's not, it's off by one game. They're 18 and three against the spread. So think about that. The team is deep enough into the season that it's like, oh, my God, you haven't won a game yet. You've got two weeks. Are you partying like you said the Steelers were, Fez? All I'm doing is listening to talk radio and people telling me how much I stink. The coach's job's on the line. I mean, you're never going to get a fever pitch like this. And 18 and three, you just don't, that's too much logic. I mean, 18 and three is one thing against the spread, but the pure logic of that. And then you think about what was the look ahead line in this game? Like nine. So here's what it comes to for me in this game. And you just said it. And and I can never ignore these kind of value plays. I could have laid nine with Detroit at 3.30 PM Monday afternoon. Then after the Monday night game is played, suddenly I have to lay 12, 12 and a half. And obviously, Cleveland didn't get worse. They didn't play. Detroit did not get three and a half points better Monday night. Not to mention, it's a short week. This is a massive overreaction. I get three points better the number off of one win for Detroit. I'll always take the value there. I agree. And this Detroit team, I think, is overrated. Off that, It's a short week off that Monday night win. And they can't run the ball. Check this out. Detroit against Green Bay. Now, they were winning. They should be able to run a little bit, right? 33 rushes for 64 yards. 1.9 yards a rush. Week before against Pittsburgh, 2.6 yards per rush. And then they haven't had more than 3.5 yards per rush in any game since week three. 
week four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, there's a buy in there, I think, is the idea that you can't, the league average is what, 4.1 now, Fez? Yep. And they can't get over three and a half in one game? They can't even get one on the goal line. It's been a point of emphasis for Detroit to run the ball in the red zone. Anyone who watched the Steeler game and anyone who watched the Monday night game knows they could not punch it in. They're kicking field goals from the one-yard line. So let's say they get up 14, right? So we're in trouble. We got to get a back door. You figure... Detroit either just out of practicality is going to want to run or they're going to want to make a statement and establish that like, Hey, now's the time to get us running. Well, that shortens the game and their ineffectiveness, I think opens the door to the back door. I agree strongly. And also breaking news, AJ McCarron is going to quarterback both teams on Sunday. What does the line do? I would make the case. Cleveland is going to be laying seven. So I know Kaiser is terrible. I know Stafford is a gunslinger, but he's probably not going to be slinging in the second half. Is there a 19-point disparity between those two guys? If there is, then the line is fair. So, guys, this is actually a triple like because before they knew this was my best bet, Fezzik had the like, Maddie had the like on this game, and then I made it my best bet. So more than a triple like. And remember, no game's better than 55%. So don't go crazy. It's hard to win. It's hard to win. Maddie, any uh, one last thought. We didn't, it was more of a conversation than a presentation. Give me one other factor in this game and same for you, Faz. Maddie first. Look, for as bad as Cleveland's offense has been this year, this defense has been ranked in the upper half all season long and currently stands at number eight in the season long yards per play allowed stat. That's pretty solid. Faz. I've already used my derivative bet, but I'm going to use another one. I would bet. Cleveland to get more first downs plus three and a half plus four or more yards anywhere where you can get at the stats instead of betting on the team because it's possible Kaiser could throw two pick sixes to train wreck or bet so it's a way to get at the fact that Browns aren't this overmatched while accounting for, or while removing the fact that Kaiser is a disaster. Exactly. And usually when I bet the sort of bet, I like who's going to get more first downs. The Browns are going to be getting plus four as a 12 point dog. It almost makes me want to just sprinkle half the bet. And that's more than a sprinkle on the money line, because in a weird way, you think all oh, big underdog is great with any team, but Kaiser throwing from behind is the last thing you want Maybe just kind of hope that one out of X times they're going to spring the upset. Nothing wrong with diversifying. Sprinkle here. Sprinkle there. All right, guys. Before we get to the very last best bet, first time ever. So it's Fez's best bet, and someone's going to crossfire on it. First time ever that that's happened. And you know it's not me. I'm not dumb enough to crossfire against Fez. It's Maddie Holt. Maddie, <laughs> you already gave your best bet, so give us your Twitter handle. At Matthew Holt VP. VP, that sounds impressive, doesn't it? He shows up in a jacket to the pregame.com offices. All right, Fez, there's one game left. It's your best bet. Let's hear what Al Pacino has to say about best bets. What are you doing? Why does guy don't carry his money in a wallet? Hey, why does guy carry his money in a roll? All right, you know you're betting this one. Now, I'm not going to play the crossfire music until Maddie starts his rebuttal. No jumping in, Maddie. Full presentation for Fez. Let's go to the Windy City here. Chicago Bears, I have them rated three and a half points worse than an average team. Frankly, I think I've got them undervalued, RJ. They have been a commodity we knew would be a bet on team going into the year. We talked about it. 
how their stats were good in 2016. They had a minus 20 turnover differential that sandbagged them last year. They had a bad turnover differential this year. Now that Trubisky has taken over, there's a lot of swagger for these Bears. And the key here to this handicap is they played so well at home. They have the most difficult schedule in the NFL, their home schedule. They've had to play Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, and Carolina. Four teams contending for playoff bursts. They won two of the games easily. They lost two close games. And you could make the case they really should have beat Atlanta. This is a team that hasn't had much of a home field advantage, especially when they play the Packers, who descend upon Chicago and take over the stadium. That's not going to be happening this year, as bad as the Packers are. My power rating for the Bears, I've got them four and a half points better than a Hundley-led Green Bay team. I'm going to give them three for home field. That has my number in this game at seven and a half. And its little brother's been kicked around by the Packers for years. It's payback time. Nothing they would want more than to step on the throat of the hated Packers. Professional bet there. Best bet. Matty Holt, crossfire. So we just talked about value here with Cleveland, how we could have laid nine or or with Detroit on Monday, but all of a sudden these people are going to lay 12 just a few hours later. Well, the same thing is happening here, folks. This line was Chicago minus three at 3.45 p.m. Monday, 3.45 p.m. Pacific time, Monday afternoon here in Las Vegas. Yet just a day later, I'm going to go out and lay six. Why? Because Green Bay didn't get it done at home against another little brother with a chip on their shoulder and the Detroit Lions. Look, this is do or die for Brett Hundley as a quarterback because if he you know lays another egg here he's done he's not coming back he's not going to get another chance to be a starter look everyone talks about the swagger that the Chicago Bears have since Mitch Trubinsky took over their offense has been putrid their offense scored three points at home against the Carolina Panthers they are averaging four point yards per play on offense since Mitch Trubinsky took over expect this to be a low scoring game and as we all talk about points become more value in a low scoring game most importantly why are we giving away the field goal from Monday Faz return fire. Yeah, let's talk about those other little brother, the Detroit Lions. You mentioned that similar situation. Well, I told you they would win in Green Bay earlier this year, and they did. They went in and kicked the living daylights out of this team and did not let up when they had the ball on the goal line with a minute and a half to go. Did they just take a knee? No! They punched it again because they hate the Packers, who had beaten them 24 out of 25. It was payback time. It'll be payback time now for the Bears to get their payback. I think you guys might have got a little too theatrical. Like, you're, <laughs> like you were you were going staccato to the music. Yeah. I love it, though. I, I say this a bunch, but I love disagreement because it's honest. And if you watch those old shows and the pros, quote unquote, would be like, well, that's very smart, Kelso. Well, thank you, Mr. Feist. You know, it, it's not what you get here. Best bets are not sacred and you get to choose because it's your money. All right, guys. Last thing we... Oh, let me make a comment on this game. I agree with both of you in this way. I think the Packers are horrible. And if I had to lean, I'm leaning to the Bears. Because, Maddie, I think there's a flaw in your thinking. We were talking about Detroit versus Cleveland and the line changing three points or whatever. And your point would be, what did we really learn? We didn't learn much from Detroit beating Green Bay. But I think in the rare cases where you really learn something, then big line news make sense, right? In college football, where we don't have a good feel for teams, 
Fez, you will move your power ratings three points or so all the time, right? Oh, off at, of one game. Look at your Buckeyes last week. Now, you said you guys moved them, what, downgraded them four and a half. Right. Okay. So, Maddie, my point would be this. Didn't we learn a massive amount about the Packers that Hundley just, like, if there was any situation I, Hundley was sure. going to play well, it was off of and, and I thought he came out playing well. They started that game on an eight-minute, 20-second drive all the way down the field that was a missed chip shot field goal that as soon as that chip shot field goal got half blocked and missed, they all hung their heads and you might as well have said game over. All right. And let's wrap it. But I, I think that in general going, being suspect of big line moves in a week is smart unless you feel like you've learned so much. And I think maybe with the pack, we've learned Hunley. I know my pocketbook learned cause I bet the pack Hunley is not a professional level quarterback all right guys that's it remember college football dream preview also though we do the thursday game bonus a little four or five minute baby we'll be looking at that thursday game you can get this week's thursday nfl you can get that bonus on my twitter at rj in vegas talk to you there Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for R.J.? You can contact him directly on Twitter at R.J. in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. What's going on, man? Hi, guy. Yeah. Yeah, the team. Loveline, man. You guys remember us from back in the day? Well, we're doing a pod, and we're doing it every day. And we've been doing it for a while. And if you, if I hear one more time people say, God, I loved you and Adam together on Loveline. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're doing a podcast. Will you please just join us at the Adam and Dr. Drew Show? Please. AdamDrDrewShow dot It's a great show. Come on now, only on Podcast One. That's us, Adam and Dr. Drew Show. Just like the old days. Doctor's orders. Oh, <laughs> oh man, you're funny. Yep. All right, let's go save some babies. Let's do it. Now on Podcast One Sports, it's a family affair with Jim Harbaugh, Jack Harbaugh, and JT Rogan on Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. We're going to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Hear incredible stories from one of the greatest voices of our time on Sound of Success, the Dick Enberg podcast. Oh my. And guess who's talking America's favorite basketball team. Hey, it's Jay Moore, and it is time for America's Lakers podcast. All this and much more exclusively on Podcast One Sports. Listen on Apple Podcasts, the new Podcast One app, and where else, Jay? PodcastOne.com.